Hey, I am so excited to share this show with you today on this very special day. This is Conversations with Visionaries Celebrating Independence and Freedom. Join us for an upcoming interview series where we'll explore the complex and layered topics of independence and freedom. In this series, we'll engage with some of the world's most innovative leaders who have served their country with distinction. Each episode will feature prominent figures from various fields who will share remarkable insights and experiences on achieving liberation and the challenges faced in the journey towards a free society. From political leaders to military icons, our guests will offer unique perspectives on how they shaped their nation's histories. As we listen to their stories, we can expect to be inspired and motivated by their struggles and triumphs, as well as their visions for a better world built upon the foundations of independence and freedom. Through the lens of historical events and current affairs, this interview series aims to delve deeper into the meaning of what it truly means to be independent and free. Join us and celebrate the courage and determination of those who fought for it. Don't miss on this opportunity to gain a greater understanding of what it takes to make true liberation. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Let me introduce our guests. John P. Weiss is a retired police chief with over 26 years of experience. He was awarded Man of the Year by the Scotts Valley Chamber of Commerce in 2016. Since retirement, he has become an author, artist, and educator with his essays and artwork featured in publications like The Guardian, NBC News, and Becoming Minimalists. He has a following of over 49,000 readers on Medium.com and over 12,000 subscribers on his Saturday Letters inspiring others through his creative work. Mr. Philip Kuntz is a former Navy SEAL of over six years, and he uses his life lessons from SEAL training to help others in their personal, professional, and family lives. He is a successful motivational speaker, tailor-fitting his inspiring stories and lessons to various audiences. Philip is also an author, coach, mentor, and volunteer with the Anti-Trafficking Bureau. His acclaimed book, The Truth Behind My Trident, gives a behind-the-scenes look at the culture of SEALs. I am so excited to introduce today our incredible guests. Please help me welcome John P. Weiss and Philip Koontz. Hi, gentlemen. Hello. Hey, welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. Once again, it's a pleasure to have you again on the platform. Great to be back. So this is a really great conversation for people today. 
where we celebrate America's freedom and what that means to us. So let's jump right into an introduction between the two of you or of you. John, let's start with you. Can you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience with your background outside of the short biography that I read? <laughs> well, the short biography was fine. I think you covered all the highlights. Yeah, I'm a 26-year law enforcement veteran. Um, had a great career in California, in the Scotts Valley Police Department. Um, got to do a lot of amazing things and missed the town, but we decided to move to Las Vegas in 2017 when I retired. My son wanted to go to school here. Uh, my wife is a hospice nurse, and now I spend my time writing and thinking and reading, and I get to be on amazing programs like this with uh, great guests like Philip. Awesome. Mr. Philip, would you love to share? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. And it's an honor to be here with you, John. Uh, so I was a Navy SEAL for just over six years. And uh, let's see, I have a wife and five kids live out here in Colorado. Like you said, I've been a public speaker and uh, author and business coach and uh, yeah, own my own knife company now. So kind of been there, done it. I was a pastor for a little while as well, too. And I uh, did some contracting work. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride for me as I'm just trying to figure out what life looked like and now kind of hitting my groove and 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 really enjoying what I get to do. And this is one of those things that I get to do is just being a guest on on shows, uh, great shows like like yours and uh, excited to be here. Thank you. Perfect. I appreciate that. So you both have these extensive backgrounds and. It's, it's such an honor to be able to share that with the audience to get to have a better idea of how we view things. So, John, what is, with your experience, let's talk a little bit about what your idea of freedom is. You know, when uh, you told me this would be the topic, the first thing I did is I just looked it up and what I have is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Mm. And if you think about the world we live in now, and I know this world, especially the United States, is divided politically. There's a whole constellation of views, and everyone's at odds at times. But I think most people want those things. We do want the freedom to be able to think about what we want. We want to be able to read the books we want to read. We want to be able to have opinions without being shot down. We want to be able to uh, live our lives and uh, have other people live their lives. And so one of the things that attracted me to a career in law enforcement was that I believe in order. I believe in civil society and that families should be able to go out every day and have the freedom to pursue their professions and their hobbies and interests and know that they're going to be safe. And so that's what attracted me uh, to the law enforcement profession. A lot of people say they wanted the action or the, uh, the, uh, the adventures, and certainly some of that was fun. But underneath all that was this belief that I believe in having a free society and that people should be safe. And so that's why I was attracted to a law enforcement career. My father was a judge. So he worked in the law. He was a United States Marine before that. My grandfather was a colonel in the Air Force. Um, and now my son is a reservist in the ROTC uh, Air Force. So it's just um, something that our family has always done is serve. And we have a, a very strong affinity for freedom and all that means. I think at this point, it's, uh, it's in the bones. You know, with you've got <laughs> generations upon generations stacked this uh innate yeah. desire to to show up that way yeah exactly exactly and it's been a great ride 26 years in law enforcement I have a lot of great stories i'm sure philip has just as many or more in his uh, navy service um but i'm just proud to be in the united states where we do have our freedoms and uh, we need to protect them um, mm -hmm. and so it's great to talk about that uh for the fourth of july i love that you looked it up because that's something that I would totally do. I, I always want to make sure that I'm clear on whatever society deems as the definition of something. And so I appreciate that about you. And then putting our own thoughts onto that. And 
then going a little deeper on, well, why is it that I feel that this is important? And you described that very lovely when you said, well, this is the reason that I went into the field of law and law enforcement initially. It wasn't because I wanted, you know, to be this, this super guy or have the exposure, the look, et cetera, and the power, because that's easily attainable. And I think that you both could understand that as well as myself. When you go into these positions, it's easy to feel this power, sense of power, and where that can definitely start to overcome you. But it takes this great responsibility to hone that in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah sure. It, it does. You know, when I was a sick let's see, 13, 14 years old, my father and mother took me to a restaurant in downtown Los Gatos, California. And we were waiting to go inside when a fight broke out between two, three men in the parking lot. It was two men ganging up on the third man. Now, my father had just recovered from a heart attack a few months before. And so what does he do? While everyone else watches, he runs over and gets in the middle of this fight and tries to break it up. And it scared the death out of me. And the only thing that made me feel so much better was when I saw those police cars show up. Somebody called the police. And, and my dad is between this, these three big guys fighting and trying to push them all apart. And uh, the officers showed up and they took control of the situation. They brought order back. They brought peace back. Some people were arrested. My dad was a witness. But that left an impression on me. And mm -hmm. I thought about, you know, it's important to have order in society. It's important to have these controls in place. So there's one more reason why police work was appealing to me. Yeah. So I, you know, that brings me to a very interesting point in thought is that that is something that just happens. Not very many people have that, but the people who go into these fields, these positions, who go into the military, who go into law enforcement, any of the first responding positions usually have that. And I've met plenty that haven't, even though they're still there, <laughs> that happens too. And I know sure. you both know what that's like. Um, but yes, it's interesting how you just act regardless of the, the danger involved. And maybe sometimes that's not well thought through, but I think there's just this desire to, to do that. And, and it's just automatic. Can you guys tell me what your thoughts are on that as far as yeah i mean i it, it's like you said it's automatic it's it's that it's that conditioned response it's that muscle memory right from our training that we immediately just just take action and i know for me for me sometimes this might seem a little sadistic but i'm like man i want more opportunities like that where i can you know jump in the middle of stuff and help break things you know break things up and well you know man i just live this like comfortable life right now like where's all the drama where's all the chaos you know i'm like well it's coming right <laughs> but, but yeah like we we almost live for those moments where we can uh really make a tangible difference uh, in in a situation that could go very very bad and have a lot of innocent you know casualties in, in a way and, and really come in and not because we want to wear a cape not because we want to be a superhero you know like jumping into the scene but because we really care because we really have that heart that deep innate desire to make a difference to help protect is is huge absolutely so i'm curious from both of you what when was the first experience, if you can think back, of when that happened to you? When was the first moment that you realized that it was an automatic response to jump in? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. 
We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. That's a good question. Uh, I think for me, it wasn't automatic until I started having bullets fly by my, my head. You know, the first time that you're engaging. <laughs> yeah, the first time that you're engaging the enemy in, in a firefight, that's when you have to come uh, uh, the first come to Jesus moment. And you're like, oh, wow, like this, this stuff just got very real. Uh, and then and then as soon as you I, I think for me, it was like that realization. And then you just go on autopilot. And, and you're continually looking out for where your guys are at and making good sound battlefield decisions and, and strategic calls uh, while you're there on, on, the, on the X. So, yeah, for me, I think it, it was definitely sometime pretty early in my first deployment when, when that happened for, for me, when I realized, oh, wow, like the training's kicking in and, and I need mm -hmm. to get out of my head now and just, you know, just respond. Yeah. How about yeah. you, John? Yeah, I, that, I immediately thought of an incident when I was a rookie cop, uh, and I really wasn't sure how I'd respond. I had training from the academy, and and we had a guy that walked into a gun shop in Scotts Valley, California, named Machado, and he was mentally ill. He asked to look at a 357 Magnum, and when they handed it to him, he had brought his own bullets. And he loaded it, and he ran out into the parking lot, and I remember our dispatcher screaming at the the owner of the gun shop, the owner of the gun shop wanted to chase after this guy and engage him. The dispatcher said, no, don't do that. That's crazy. The cops don't know who, which one is which. So we responded. This guy got out into an intersection, commandeered a car, pulled a poor old elderly woman out of the car by her hair and jumped in her car and took off to the neighboring town of Santa Cruz. And all of us in our patrol cars gave chase. He ended up in a gas station in downtown Santa Cruz, California, where Amazingly, he proceeds as he's as he's waving this gun around to fill the car up with gas. And all of us come screeching into this gas station. This was also during the first Desert Storm War, and there were protesters all downtown. So mm -hmm. imagine this from the local university. They're out there protesting the war. We're in this gas station with cops, all of us getting out of our cars, pointing our guns at this guy. And we have a patrolman that, that has it. He's a canine officer, and he unleashes the dog on the gunman and the gunman shoots the dog, dog mm. and everybody opens fire on this on this guy. Um, and even though he was hit like 12 or 13 times, he went down, he actually pushed himself back up once before he fell down again. People see in the movies, they think people get shot and they just go down. They don't always just go yeah, down. Man. I know Philip, you know that more than anyone. But oh, yeah. long, long story short, of course, I was scared to death. I'm, you know, young 20 something, brand new rookie. Um, but the thing that was amazing, April, Philip, is that I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was just reacting. I took cover. I had my gun out. Uh, I was communicating with other officers. We were looking for crossfire, uh, you know, and, and we brought order out of this, this chaotic scene. Of course, all the protesters scattered because they thought we were shooting protesters. They didn't know what the incident was. So it was crazy. But um, I remember calling my parents later that night, and that's when it all kind of hit me, just how insane that was. I'd never, you know, been shot at or around someone shooting like that before. So, and I was amazed that I, I reacted. I didn't think I just reacted. I did my job and, and we were able to, to end this, the situation. I didn't personally shoot the suspect. Um, I was from a position of cover, but others did. But thank God no one was hurt and the dog recovered. The police dog fully recovered. We had an award ceremony for him, but that was the first time I realized that, that your training takes over and you just react. And it felt good to know that I could do that. And then, of course, many incidents after that in my career, training just takes over. And oftentimes when you're relaxed at home later, that's when maybe you go, wow, you know, and it hits you and you have to grapple with that a bit. But yeah, um, that's when the the adrenaline starts to, to, to drain through your body and you have this like very surreal moment. <laughs> like, what, right. wow, what, what just happened? And then you're exhausted and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to like go lay down. Yeah, 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 exactly. So thank you so much for sharing that, guys. We're going to go into our first commercial. And when we stay, come back, we're going to jump right back in. Stay tuned. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time 
for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. So welcome back. Uh, guys, those are excellent stories. And so I'll share a little bit about my own. Also coming back into a time of when you realize that you are able to act. You know, they used to have this uh, saying, while well, I still use it often, you guys probably have already heard me say it, but you don't rise to the level of your courage, you fall to the level of your training. And so that's kind of what you find out when you're met with something, these, these adverse conditions, these high tense, high energy situations. And one of mine, and I have a few, like you said, John, it's like soon you start to have many, but it's really nice to know how you show up because when you're a rookie or when you're first starting or when you just, you know, it's the first time going and seeing battle, you don't really know how you're going to show up. And it's kind of like this experiment, so to speak. You have to be faced with something big in order to find out. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of mine was when there was, I was about to do this traffic stop and this vehicle was like three car lengths ahead of me, but it was on a long stretched highway. I was watching him really swerve and I wanted to catch up to him. So it was kind of leapfrogging over the other vehicles, making my way slowly. And next thing I knew, the car was rolling a few times down the hill. It had crashed. And so my response was, you know, immediately lights and sirens, call it in a dispatch let them know what happened. But it, it was a really beautiful engagement that was very quick, very responsive, and it did everything that I needed to do. Flight for Life came. Uh, Koontz, I know I talked about it a little bit. This was the time that I, you know, cut his seatbelt off with the cool knife that I had, and now you're <laughs> representing knives. So that makes all the difference, right? The tools that we have make a lot of difference, the weapons. And, you know, there, there was a time when I did my own traffic stop that ended up being a felony stop and being the only one. And my, you know, command staff was down the mountain, state patrol was down the mountain. My backup was an hour out. So I had to do this. And it wasn't just one person. It was three people in that car that I had to conduct a felony stop for. But those are the moments that we really realize how we show up. And it's interesting to me that there are there's something within us that is able to come up and show up when the time is right, when we absolutely have to in order to protect ourselves and others. And it's a great responsibility. Yeah. 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 You know, when you mentioned that, I, I just thought of something that was in the news recently. I don't know if you guys followed these, this plane crash in, was it Bolivia or um, I'm trying to remember where, but it was a family of, of these indigenous kids. There was a 13 year old girl and a younger boy, and I think an infant. And the mother was killed in the plane crash as well as the pilot. And they were lost in this jungle for like 40 days it's been wow. in the news and they just found them recently. You want to talk about rising to the occasion. That little 13-year-old girl figured out that there was food left on the plane. She took care of the younger two and they survived in the jungle with pit vipers and spiders and, and, and um, roving bands of, of uh, you know, armed uh, drug people. I mean, and they, and they survived. So she definitely rose to the occasion. I think to your point, April, um, we surprise ourselves sometimes when we're put in um, just insanely difficult situations. I'm sure, Philip, you've probably seen that even with all your training. You never know until you actually are on deployment or you're in a difficult situation 
how you're going to perform, but um, it's remarkable to see how people can rise to the occasion. Yeah, absolutely, John. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of people, there's so many people out there that have stories like that, you yeah. know, whether they're, yeah, yeah. And, and just the, the will to live kicks in, right? And, and that right. protective nature that we're all instilled with, you know, kicks in. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I always think of Tom Hanks in that beautiful movie Castaway, you know, where he's one minute he's on a flight, you know, for work, and next minute he's on a he's on a desert, deserted island somewhere. Yeah. And even though that's that's a fictional movie, it was still just moving to see, you know, how to survive, how, the will to survive, the will to overcome the the challenge, yeah. whatever it may be. You know? Well, it's funny so, that you you mentioned Captain Phillips, and 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 Tom Hanks is the same one that played the the character right. in 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 the Captain in the Captain Phillips movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So. Yeah, same yeah. thing. There you are. And next thing you know, you're in a little buoy, you know, being held at gunpoint <laughs> by, by some pirates, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, military men and women and police officers, we're, of course, have the benefit of extensive training. Um, but it was always moving to me when I would um, witness just heroism and amazing acts of courage from everyday men and women in our community and society that would help people out of an auto automobile accident or to drag somebody out of a critical incident scene. Um, those people are remarkable. And it, it mm -hmm. speaks a little bit to, uh, you know, that American spirit, that individualism to, to get the job done no matter what. Yep. Mm, yep. It does. And I'm very curious to know, why do you think it is and what does it have to do with the desire to have that freedom? When we, when we so strongly have that within us to, to save ourselves and others, to protect, preserve. What does that mean for our freedom or why is it such an importance to us as human beings? Yeah, I think it goes back to the reason why I joined the military. You know, I was, I found myself in corporate America and I was like, what am I doing? You know, no, I'm not discounting corporate America at all, but it just wasn't for me. You know, I was stuck behind a cubicle for uh, my job. And and I just thought to myself, you know, waking up like, what what am I doing with my life? And, you know, I, I wanted to, to really make a difference in, in the world, like make a practical difference, you know, and rid the, the world of, of evil. And I could think of no better way than, than to join the military. And with my swimming background and, and some of the background that I had, you know, the seals, the water kind of made sense for me. And, and it was really while I was there that just gave me a really great sense of, of accomplishment. I mean, not only was, was it a great job, like John was saying, not only is it, is it the, the adventure that we get to experience, but what, what transcends that is, is our deep desire to want to, uh, to, to save the innocent, you know, to protect the innocent. And, and to really be able to bring the fight to, to people who are, are hell-bent on the destruction of, of uh, you know, the people and, and, and the innocent. And, and they, they, they go to, to all different lengths to be able to mm. do that. You know, I mean, I've seen, I've seen men use women and, and children as shields before, you know, and you just think back on that and you're just like, what, what kind of human being ha has the capability and the capacity? Like, what are they thinking? Like, well, how in the world would, would someone do that? You know, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. And so uh, being able to, to really live for something much bigger than myself uh, was, was a, just, and that patriotism was one of the things that, that really propelled me into, into the military and doing something that's, that's far bigger than myself myself. Hey, Philip, staying on that concept and that topic, can you describe a moment that you realized or noticed that you wanted to see, or, or you realized that, <laughs> I want to know, was there a defining moment that shaped your perspective on freedom? Uh, yeah, great question. I, I think that, you know, growing up as, as kids, we just kind of take it for granted, right? I, I grew up in a fairly healthy but somewhat dysfunctional home. <laughs> but, you know, my concept of freedom and, it, gosh, being able to ride my bike, you know, to, to swim practice in the summers and, and go just leave the house basically for, uh, you know, all day, you know, and come back and just not really even wondering if I was, you know, going to be kidnapped or if I was, you know, 
something wrong was going to happen or bad was going to happen to me. I mean, honestly, I think like I got my bag snatched during Halloween once, right? That was like the worst thing, you know, <laughs> like, uh, so my, my concept of, of safety and protection, you know, growing up was, I, you took it for granted as, as we mostly do. Um, you know, for me, I, I think one of the things when, when it really flew in, in, in my face, this injustice was uh, when I was in, in college and, and just seeing the way that, that people treated uh, each other. And there was a, there was a, a child prostitution uh, issue that was going on in the, in the city that I was in, you know, and, and tra trafficking children. That's one of the reasons why I feel very passionately now and, and try to get involved as much as I can. Uh, it was this sense of eye-opening for me. It was, oh my gosh, this moment of realization of of this this world is is uh, there, there's a dark there's a darkness that's in this world that that sometimes can be tangible and I was just awakening to that moment of wow there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of bad stuff there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are bent on destruction in this in this life mm -hmm. and and I think that was a, a good wake up call for me as I realized some of the things that were happening literally in my backyard. And, and, and I wasn't, it was disturbing to me and it was good. It was a good kind of disturbance. It, it stirred something up within me that, that was like, uh, no, this, this isn't good. And, uh, if not me, then who kind of thing, you know, like if, if, if I'm not going to do something about it, then, then who is, you know, I love yeah. the, I love the, the phrase, uh, the, the quote from Edmund Burke's, you know, that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Do nothing. And, and that was one of the, the, the quotes that, that I really held on to that, that propelled me into the military to, to experience what I did. Oh, that yeah. hit me at the core. And that goes back to the discussion on when we just, we just, if that flip is switched, when we have to uh, perform when we, when we just, just do it, you know? And so I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. John, can you tell me your perspective and your time where the moment hit, uh, that really shaped your perspective on freedom? Well, I have two thoughts. Yeah. The first to answer your question and then a comment on what Philip said, um, for me, it goes back to that story I told you about my father trying to stop a fight between these men in front of a restaurant. It amazed me that so many people stood around and watched this, this fight, but nobody wanted to get involved or get hurt. And my father um, stood in. And I realized that, uh, you know, if we want to be safe in society, and even at 13 years old, I, I thought about that. I thought about, look at this. You know, the police showed up and they brought back order. Um, and they, the, the guys that caused this fight were arrested. So, you know, people want to be safe. They want to have their freedom. They want to know that they can go out every day and, and not be hurt. And sort of what Philip was talking about, about his work in the SEALs and also his interest in, you know, what we're seeing today with children being taken advantage of with, with trafficking and, and all of these things. If you look at our history, the United States history, going back to 1776 and the 13 northern colonies that said they'd had enough mm -hmm. with overtaxation and no representation. They'd had enough with things like, you know, the Stamp Act, um, the Sugar Act, and, and they decided that we wanted to have our freedom. We were done with this oppressive um, overregulation. And what undergirds, I think, a lot of that American thinking, even back then when we were first forming as a new nation, as for our nationhood, is fairness. We want fairness. People want to know that things are fair, that people are being mm. treated fairly. Um, and I think those of us who are in who are, are attracted to serving either in our great United States military or in our um, many law enforcement organizations is there's a sense of you know, fairness that we want people to be treated fairly. We don't want the bullies to take over. We don't want the criminals to take advantage of the weak. Uh, when I interacted with elderly people in our community, it, one of the things I always noticed with them was when we showed up, they'd call and say someone's in their backyard. And sometimes it was a, a deer, you know, but there was this, this, happy look in their eyes when they saw young men and women in uniform show up to help them, that they felt safe. Um, when we mm. would um, um, arrest the right person for uh, committing a crime against somebody else, um, you know, the victims were always so thankful that there was fairness, that, that their rights and their freedoms were um, protected. So 
that's what I think is one of the things that's great about our American culture is we still have this culture, whether you swing to the left or the right, I think most Americans uh, believe in fairness. They want to be treated fairly. And we can disagree sometimes on how we achieve that and what's the best political tools to make that happen. But underneath all that, I think if we think about the 4th of July and American freedoms, we think about everyone wants to be treated fairly. Yeah. And John, that's a, you brought up such a great point. And it's, it's very interesting too, that it seems like everyone is, is, is polarized nowadays until a September 11th happens until a a national crisis happens. And then what, and then we all band together as Americans, right? Good old red blooded Americans. And, you know, people are pouring into churches again, you know, we're all (laughs) linking arms and we're like, Hey, you know, we're united. And it takes, it takes these catastrophes sometimes to really be able to, to unite us. And I'm not a proponent of like, Oh, Hey, bring on the catastrophes. Right. Because that's awful when that happens, but it's very interesting in our history of, of the United States, when things like that happen, you know, we really band together. And, and that's when I just want to encourage people that are listening right now, be known for what you're for rather than what for you, rather than what you're against. Right. Amen. yeah. And instead of, you know, raising the social media, you know, getting on social media, raising the flag saying, you know, like, oh, I don't like this and I don't like this and I don't agree with this. How about we just hit the pause button and 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 find our similarities. Right. And, and, and unite with around what what we can agree on. Right. So be known for what you're for rather than for what you're against, I think is is just a good, helpful reminder for myself, right? Because I can get caught up in this. John, you're talking about watching the news. I'm like, man, I can't watch the news much anymore, uh-huh. right? Because I, I, uh-huh. I feel my blood pressure raising up again, right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a good, helpful reminder, especially on the 4th of July, you know, that's, it's, it's good. We, we are one nation under God. And, and you know what, when the, when the stuff hits the fan, we all band together and, and we need to remember that. You know, I remember that on 9-11 and afterwards, uh, you know, just how much people did come together. That was a shock to the nation. Sometimes we're lulled into a a false sense of complacency. Yes. When nothing nothing goes wrong, we we get so accustomed to the planes taking off and landing and our lattes are made at Starbucks and we can scroll through all the social media piffle, you know, and look at cat videos and life is a (laughs) Shangri-La until something happens that shakes you out of that 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 false sense of confidence and god forbid i don't want anything like that to happen in this country but um you know we we have to never forget that freedom is never free um there are forces in the world that are not aligned with us you know not just chinese balloons and spy stations in cuba that are keeping an eye on what we're doing but central american countries that are hosting you know iranian warships there's a lot of scary stuff going on in the world right now um, that we cannot rest on our laurels if we want to keep this precious freedom that we have. And that doesn't mean going towards abject militarism and getting involved in every conflict. But I do think we always have to keep that in mind, that freedom is not free. And we need to, mm-hmm. both in our communities, where law enforcement plays a part, and nationally and internationally, where our military plays a part. We always need yeah. to protect our freedoms and align with our with our, our other nations that agree with us and trying to promote peace and freedom in the world. Because there are yeah. there are dangers in the world. Yeah. Yep. Our freedom Absolutely. was purchased through human collateral, you know, both stateside in CONUS and, and outside as well, too. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. This brings to mind uh, the concept of the warrior in the garden. I don't know if you two are familiar with, uh, but basically, you know, you both are describing things when they happen. We finally unite. We're finally putting to action. But we become so complacent until that happens, and we become negative and harmful towards one another. I'm not sure why that is either. But what are some of the things that we can push people to have come to an understanding of? Philip, I love the point that you brought out. And also, the warrior in the garden concept, to me, is really something that would be a great idea to ponder on because it's preparing for the worst, but living uh, in such a way to where you're not on an anxiety high or, you know, preparing. You just, I don't know, John, help me out. Can you explain this a little bit better? Do you know what I'm saying? I think I know what you're getting at. I mean, I think even the word 
peace officer, you know, is that we, we always prepare for the worst. We hope for the best, but we prepare for the worst. Uh, we do that in our homes. You know, it's why we have alarm systems and, and security systems and um, choose to defend ourselves in our homes so that we're not victims. Uh, we do that in society. But we also have to balance out the warrior mentality of going after these things with, with the peace side of it as well, of treating people well, thinking the best of others instead of the worst. Um, and what, what Philip just mentioned too, you know, about achievement. And instead of always trying to find a complaint in society or blaming somebody else for every little ill, we'll go out there and fix it, you know, uh, contribute mm -hmm. to it. There's so many positive things you can do that have nothing to do with uh, conflict, but have to do with making the world or community live in a better place. And that anyone can do that, regardless of your background, race, religion, I mean, and I see that. I see it in my own community in Las Vegas. I see how people treat one another here. We just had the Stanley Cup here uh, in um, Las Vegas, and our wonderful Golden Knights were victorious over the, the Florida Panthers. But one of the things that really made me feel good was there were a lot of Floridians who came here to watch uh, the, the final match. And one of the things they talked about on the local news was, wow, we're really impressed with how well Las Vegans treated us. I mean, they were so nice to us. We're wearing our Panthers regalia, and yet they said, hey, come on in. We're so glad you're here, and thanks for coming to our community. It's so encouraging when I see things like that in society. Yeah. And the problem is the media thrives on negativity and always throwing up the worst. It's almost like the powers that be want us to be divided and at each other's throats. But really, if you drive around in society, every day I see these moving examples of people helping one another and being amazing um, supporters to one another in our community. And gosh, you know, on the 4th of July, that's something we need to really promote and celebrate and encourage as much as possible instead of division and arguing all the time. Well said, John. It, in the SEAL teams, I was, I was reminded as you were talking, we have a pretty common Latin phrase, see this passum parabellum. And that is, if you want peace, prepare for war. You know, of all the brothers that I've operated with, we all desire peace so much so that, that we're willing to lay down our lives for it. But but in order to have that peace, which we desire above everything else, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for worst case scenario. And how are you going to do that both individually for your family, professionally, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, Benjamin Franklin said, "By failing to prepare, you're really preparing to fail." Right. So it's it's that yeah. that it's that mindset of yeah, we want peace first and foremost. But peace is not, not just going to 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 happen. It's not a light switch where you no. just, you know turn it on and oh, we got peace now and we can <laughs> get fat and happy. Right. It's uh, it, it takes right, a lot right. of intentionality to uh, to be able to prepare for that and. And, and that whole remembrance thing, too, is so important, you know, that, that uh, wow, there's been so many countless men and women in the past who have given their lives in the line of duty and, and in the military as well, too, that have, you know, paved the way for us to be able to enjoy the freedom and the peace that we that we enjoy. That's a great point. You know, my father often talked about um, when he says, when you talk about peace, you need to ask whose peace. You know, some people talk about peace like it's just we want peace, but, you know, there are parameters to peace. Whose peace? What does this peace entail? Do I keep my freedoms? I mean, we can have a peaceful society where everyone is living under a tyrant. I mean, it might be that there's not a lot of shootings or incidents in North Korea. It's a, maybe it's a peaceful society because these people live in abject fear every day. Right. So the kind of peace we live under is, is very important. There's a mm -hmm. famous uh, historian, Will, Will and Ariel Durant, his wife, and there was a quote in one of their history books I never forgot that he wrote, nobody ever wants to recognize the inexorable periodicity of war. And what they meant by that was, unfortunately, humankind, we haven't evolved that far yet, that sooner or later, there are conflicts. Uh, and we are trying to avoid that right now with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and with what's going on with China and the brinks, brinksmanship. Um, and my dad always said it's so important that we read our history and that we never forget um, what peace means. And when you look at other countries, when you look at Pol Pot in Cambodia and look what Chairman Mao did killing millions in China, when you look at Russia and the collectivization of farms and all the people that died in that, and you look at how people live right now without freedoms in Cuba, uh, and, and so, you know, there are these ideologies in the world where, where people are not living with freedom and it's not free. And we always have to guard against that and make sure that we are prepared while always seeking peace. And I love what you said, Philip, about how everyone you work with in the teams, well, you guys are lovers of peace. That's why you do the dangerous work you do 
because you want peace. If you, you could retire tomorrow and not be necessary, you'd probably celebrate that and sell your knives and do something different. But the reality is, is that what's the old line? Uh, we sleep well at night because, uh, you know, rough men stand ready to visit violence upon those who would harm us. So until we evolve as, 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 as a humankind, we're always going to have to worry about um, maintaining peace. Yeah. I would yeah. say that well, maybe well that's said. part of the journey. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said, well said, that was, that was perfect. Spot on. Yep. Thanks. It was. And I was mentioning that I feel it's part of the journey to our evolution to experience these things. And that's the way that we grow. And that's just the way it is. (laughs) Right. But you gentlemen have, you know, thank you so much for your service first off, and your continued service, because you're just serving in a different way. And maybe I may venture to say a greater, more expansive way. So, yeah, Yeah, you know, Philip, I've I've noticed there are a few um, Navy SEALs that we see now in the public eye that are writing books, Uh, And they're teaching about uh, really some, and there's a common theme, which doesn't surprise me coming from the SEALs about uh, personal achievement, personal discipline. Um, You know, uh, I think we need more of that message in society today. I think instead of always worrying about, you know, how people have wronged us and always having complaints about how awful the world is, uh, I think we need to celebrate more personal achievement because really freedom comes from discipline too. You know, you can sit at home all day long and watch TV and be free. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you're, you're a little, uh, you're a family scion that came from money. You don't have to work. But what I've learned is that the, the, the real freedom comes from peace of mind of knowing that you've, you've done difficult things to be a better person. It comes from pursuing virtue. It comes from helping others. And that isn't always easy. And it doesn't always feel like freedom. Sometimes it feels like a, a real burden but, you know, the alternative, if you don't do the right thing, if you don't work hard to support your family, if you don't rise up when you need to, to do the right thing, you have to live with yourself at night. And you know what? That's, that's a prison that you, that's not freedom. If you have to wake up every morning thinking, darn it, you know, I didn't do what I should have done. I should have spent more time with my kid or I could have been a better person at work. I should have lied less. So people that do the hard work and challenge themselves and achieve uh, it, it may be hard. It doesn't always feel like freedom. Sometimes there's suffering, but there is freedom in suffering. Yeah. 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 That's the message. Absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, really taking that personal responsibility and also the connections that we have with each other when the time arises. Mm-hmm. That's actually, John, just from a personal standpoint, that's one of the things that I have to continually remind myself when, when I start to feel sorry for myself, right? Because my I've got herniated discs in my back, you know, from jumping out of airplanes and landing hard. And I've got a three torn labrum, 340 degrees, you know, and I start my body's hurting, you know, and I'm getting older and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this sucks, you know, and start to feel bad for myself and have a little pity party. And I'm like, but you know what? <laughs> I'd, I'd go back and do it all over again if I could, you know, because you're right. There is suffering, you know, in, in, in the midst of, of peace and freedom as well, too, that we enjoy. So, yeah, I, I liked how you how you worded that. So that was a, that was a good reminder to me to just continue to suck it up and, and uh, have that good perspective. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep reminding myself too, Philip. I had yeah. a back surgery for a bulging disc, you know, from jujitsu <laughs> and wrestling with people in my career. And, yeah. you know, my shoulder doesn't work the way it quite used to. And it's frustrating. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, you know, but I wouldn't have changed anything. Uh, I'm proud of, proud of the profession we all work in and, and April, you know, you were in it too in law enforcement. And, and so we salute you in your service. Um, but I also, I just salute the people in my community. I mean, I see people from all walks of life. I see kids, you know, lemonade stand here when it's hot in the summer, they're, they're little entrepreneurs. They're selling their lemonade, you know, and helping us cool off. So it's just nice to see things like that. Yep. It is. Uh, well, um, I'm curious, what message would you both like to share with the next generation, speaking of lemonade stands, with the next generation of leaders who will be responsible for continuing the progress made towards a more equitable and just world? Hmm. You want to go first, Philip? Yeah, uh, I love Brene Brown. And for the life of me, I'm not I'm going to butcher 
her quote, but basically <laughs> what, what she says is, you know, if we continually point the finger at other people and don't take responsibility for our own actions, we basically, you know, our, the, the, the future, our stories are written by the fear, the blame, the shame, and, and the anger uh, at, you know, that we have towards others, rather than taking responsibility for your actions, it actually frees us to then be able to write our own ending of our stories. So, Brene, sorry if you're listening to this. I just totally butchered that. But <laughs> you, you, you get, you get the, the gist of it. And that's what I would say to young leaders growing up and, and, and emerging now into society. And as they're maturing, I would say, hey, don't be afraid to say, I, I, I screwed up. You know, in my opinion, those are the four most powerful words a leader can say is I messed that up, you know, taking mm -hmm. ownership, ownership for our mistakes, learning from those rather than blaming others or, or extenuating circumstances uh, that are around us for, for the mistakes that, you know, that we really made. It, it's, it's so powerful. And people want to follow a leader who who is able to humble themselves, ask for forgiveness, say that they're sorry. Uh, you know that that humanizes them. That it's it's not a do as I say, not as you know, I'm not as I do kind of mentality. So yeah, I, I, that's really important. And, and unfortunately, we don't see a whole lot of that on on you know the the big screen as far as the political leaders you know that we have out there. It's just a lot of finger pointing and a lot of blaming and and, and, and shaming people. So. Yeah, taking responsibility for our actions and, and, and from our mistakes is is really important. I agree with you. Uh, that was awesomely perfect. said. I don't even know perfect. how to say that. You, I couldn't have said it better. And you're right, people, you, you know, you would know this very, very well, Philip, that because you come from a place where there are very few who have accomplished and gone through what you have. And, and it's also the same with, I think I, I heard that it's 1% that actually serve. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I know there's not a lot in law enforcement and, and for first responding positions, it is few. Yeah. So, uh, John, what is your take on that? What is your message to the future generations? Well, let's see, you know, Dwight Eisenhower said that freedom is really the opportunity to practice self-discipline. And my three word advice would be do hard things. Hmm. The low road of taking the easy way, looking for hacking, you go on the internet, there's a million, you know, how to hack this, how to hack that, how to get ahead of doing less. And, you know, um, when we do hard things, that's when we achieve. That's when we feel pride in, in our accomplishments. And that's how we move society forward. And I agree with, with Philip. You know, I mean, we need leaders that aren't just scripted, that have a teleprompter with a speechwriter, with some clever quotes, telling people what they think. We want authenticity in our leaders. And we're willing to forgive our leaders when they make mistakes and they own it, as long as we know they're trying to do the right thing. And I do think there are some leaders out there in the private sector and in businesses that, that, that rise to that level. Unfortunately, we don't hear about them that often because the news would much rather uh, focus on the negativity, it seems. Um, but I think that when people are moved to do hard things, when they are willing to take responsibility, as Philip so, said so well, um, when they make mistakes, um, people are willing to support those types of leaders and it's going to take those kinds of leaders to move us forward. There are so many uh, challenges facing us in the world today. And it, it amazes me. We have 350 million people in this country. We've got to find some exemplary leaders. And I understand why most people don't want to jump into the political arena. Um, but, you know, um, Teddy Roosevelt talked about that. You know, he doesn't he wants to be in the arena. Right. He wants to be where the action is. He wants to be the one who's trying to make positive changes in the world and so people that were willing to do hard things, make mistakes, but keep fighting. That's what we need more than ever. Both of you gentlemen have gone into this new entrepreneurial world where that's a really big step from the, the very disciplined positions that 
you both came from, the structure of it. And being an entrepreneur, there's only the structure that you create, right? right. And so how has coming from the past that you have come from shaped who you are today and what you do now, how has it had a play in your concept of freedom? And for example, what comes to mind, you both are doing things that excite you, where you want to get up every single day. How has that had a play? I think one of the things that that comes to my mind is, well, you know, what wakes me up in the morning is wanting to make a positive, lasting impact in the people that that I speak to. And, and that's that's really what what my perspective is when I wake up in the days is, is wanting to make that positive impact with people is uh, is important for me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, taking ownership, you know, for for mistakes and stuff, too, is 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 huge. So uh, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. Okay. And, and how about you, John? I, I think what's really cool about what you do, John, too, um, and, and you both have aspects of it, but you really went into the arts, which is really not the, the manly thing to do, <laughs> right? So you have very much geared in a total opposite direction, so to speak, right. um, on what society deems the what they would expect of us coming from yeah. fields. Yeah. I, um, always had, uh, an artist's heart. Uh, even as a kid, I was always drawing. My dad was a weekend, uh, oil painter and he was very creative and artistic, uh, but you know, he became an attorney and a judge. So, um, I thought I might want to be an artist or something along those lines. When I was a kid, I did a lot of cartooning and even throughout my law enforcement career, I was drawing political cartoons for the local newspapers. And then I jumped over into landscape painting. And, and I think, you know, one of the things I, I can't help but laugh at Philip is that, uh, you know, when I was in the police department during my police chief, uh, days, I remember I took a workshop once a landscape painting workshop in Idaho, and I was telling some of the guys at work about it. And my captain said, Chief, he's shaking his head. And this captain was on our SWAT team. And he said, Chief, just tell them you're going to a tactical firearms you know, workshop. Don't, don't <laughs> tell them you're going to a landscape painting workshop. You're killing me, Chief. So I think they'd really laugh today that I'm on a, a podcast with, with a Navy SEAL that they just would laugh and go, how did, how did that happen, right? So yeah, I, I'm the, uh, you know, the touchy-feely creative guy who loves you know, poetry and writing and the humanities and literature and, and, and painting. Um, but you know, uh, they used to call me the accidental police chief because I, I also really loved serving and I loved being in uniform and, uh, um, uh, and serving my community and, and I get the best of both worlds. Now I feel to answer your question, April, that my law enforcement background makes me a better writer, makes me a better creative. I have a deeper understanding of humanity and all of its beauty and all of its ugliness. I've seen enough to know the beauty in people and the ugliness. And in my writing, I choose to try to write elegant stories and essays that uplift people, that inspire them, um, bring them some hope, um, and try to encourage people to live a better life. Um, so that's very fulfilling to me. And that's an extension of what I try to do as a police officer in my community is to make people's lives better there. Now I'm trying to inspire people with my writing um, and it's very fulfilling because I get amazing emails back from readers uh, who share their stories um, and they inspire me What some of the people tell me, people that are battling with illnesses or have lost loved ones and how they got through it. And so it's a wonderful dance to be a writer and to have feedback from readers. I learn from them. They learn from me. And uh, it's a great way to have a second uh, chapter in one's life and a new career. I love that, John. And and you truly are a warrior in a garden. And people can look that up because that's exactly what you are. And, and both of you are because, and I wanted to bring that up because of the importance of that artistic aspect of us and how we should, yeah. we should recognize that and share that with the world. That is what makes the world beautiful. And Philip, I wanted to say about you, you were very much wanting to be involved with your family. You have five children. 
that's an aspect of you that is very important and you hold uh, near and dear to your heart. And so I'm going to also bring in, uh, I'm going to bring in my lovely husband here <laughs> with us. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Nice Good. to see you. Good to see you both again. Um, so this is a little surprise because I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I, I just want to tell you as a single person, like as one individual, because I, I know I don't represent everybody, but from my perspective, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for continued service because I know you haven't finished yet. I mean, the arena has changed, the, the delivery, maybe your uniform or your approach, but you're still serving. I mean, just coming on the show and being supportive and, and wanting to do better and give more represents so much for me as that one individual. And really, I think the point of the conversation, or at least from my perspective, the point of the show in many ways is, is that freedom is one of those things that we have we can do anything we want. And we've had people on the show who've represented that. They've been homeless to become doctors, to have uh, had battled cancer or other challenges, and they fought through that. So freedom is more than just this, this concept. It's really something I take personal, and I think everybody on the show's taking their personal perspective for it. Um, but let's be honest, without the people who are willing to guard the wall, guard the yard, protect the freedom with uh, their lives at risk, potentially. Um, it's just a concept. So from, you know, the bottom of my heart, uh, I, I have uh, military me uh, members in my family. And so it, it just means a lot to me as a individual. Um, but also I think, you know, we can, we can have the show because somebody stood up for the ability to have a free voice to say something, to make a difference. So uh, you made a difference in my life. Um, I know you make a difference in others. You know, thank you. I, I don't know how else to say it, but thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank so. you very much. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. John, I'm a little I'm a little envious of, of how well-rounded you are too, my friend. So it's uh, it's good. It's <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of, man. You, uh, you, John, you, you can, you can put, if I can interject, I'm sorry, Phil. I just have to, I have to back up for a second. I've played video games uh, that are Navy SEAL video games. So to to hear to hear uh, that's my experience, right? Um, so to hear you say that, that's just that's what a compliment. I mean, I I would I would replay that over and over and over. And John, I too am envious. You're awesome. Um, but I would just yeah. play that over and over and over again. I, I would make that into a soundbite to be in my alarm in the morning. Yeah. Phil, can you just say that one more time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just so you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit. Full, you know, full full disclosure for me. I love to uh, to garden too. So we got like a little raised garden up on my porch, and we got some tomatoes and, yeah. and some snow peas and and some peppers up there. So love that love just getting down on the floor and wrestling with my kids and playing Legos with them, you know? So I got a, I got a tender side too. I'm not just eating nails all day. So the the best samurais were the ones who did like origami and like design yep. a bonsai tree and stuff too. There's a real art to being a warrior. Yep. Um, yep. And, and, and that's why like in martial arts, which was my background, it, that's why the art part is in there. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's combat with 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 understanding and compassion and and, and the better the greater you of i guess ability you have to to um protect or take a life if you had to right yeah. the the probably the the more of an artist you are you know more compassionate i guess mm -hmm. i think the me the media and movies does a real disservice to our men and women who serve in the military and law enforcement because they get a real skewed view. And the example of that, and maybe Phillips experienced this too, is people would say to me, gosh, I, you know, I can't believe you were a cop, John. You, you just don't seem like one. I mean, you know, you like the paint and write. And what they don't realize is that I can't tell you how many women, men and women I worked with that I knew a guy on a SWAT team that was a thespian. He was in plays and he'd invite us to plays in San Jose. I, I knew other cops that were, um, you know, artists and poets and musicians, um, gardeners to speak to Phil, you know, I mean, people don't realize that we're not just one dimensional. I think there's plenty of Navy SEALs out there that 
maybe finely trained um, military personnel, but you know they're also husbands and wives, and they're they're artists, and they have uh, maybe mu music. They have a whole other side of themselves besides just their career. And I think we tend to make people one-dimensional, not realize that people are many things. Well, I I think you're a, a, a so yep. right in my perspective, like it is the Hollywood notion. I mean, yeah. it, it's probably makes a more exciting movie when you have the music and the fire and the bombs and the bullets going off and the helicopter sound and everything awesome versus like, Hey, that guy's mowing his grass out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, reality is, uh, you know, what you, you know, you, you drive an SUV, like not a Humvee every day, you know, or, right. or you do this or that. Um, you, you know, you get a flat tire too. So I, I appreciate just so you long as you don't drive a minivan, just don't, don't drive a minivan. Um, <laughs> that's too much. That's too much. I, I don't want to be uh, yeah. exclusive of those who drive minivans. So I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm teasing. I'm totally teasing. That makes it's you even good more. to see that yeah, young man warrior. too. Yeah. Yeah. You got a special guest. So I figured he, he climbed up here. So I figured I'd, I'd bring him on the screen as well too. This is, this is uh, my son, Zadik. Oh, Hi, Zadik. Well, that's what it's about. I mean, we, this is what we fight for, you Amen. know, is our, yeah. is our family, our children, our freedoms. So yeah. that's so, beautiful. I guess if we're, you know, mowing lawns and barbecuing or uh, celebrating, uh, this is what we're celebrating. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. We yep. should have gratitude for all that we have for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. absolutely. Agreed. We talked uh, about a little bit about that April, didn't we? On our last show, a lot about that, that gratitude piece is huge. Oh, mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much everyone for being a part of this special day and for sharing with everyone that this is what it's about. And so enjoy your freedoms, be grateful for your freedoms. And this is what we're here for, to share in that and to be connected within our communities. Absolutely, have a great 4th of July. All right. Thank you, yep. good 4th of April, July. thanks for having us on the show. Oh, Thank you. Absolute Thank pleasure. You. Bye. Right. Bye. <laughs>